Girls Out Loud podcast. could not agree more with that i like than what you just like i felt that i i felt it yeah this is what this is yo yo what's up it's the latinos out loud podcast yo yo everybody good out there like are you good you're about to get even gooder what's up it's your friend till the end okay and that's not in sight so hi rachel la loca hi What's up? This is your pal for a while, Jay Ferns. <laughs> that works. That works. That I have works. to get Southern with that. that for works. a while. <laughs> a pal for a while. Add the layer of accent and you can go anywhere. You know what I mean? It's amazing. It's really What's amazing. What's up, y'all? It's Frank Spiracy up on the Heights. You know what I mean? Jay Ferns and Frank Nibs. Up in My the brethren. Heights, baby. Up in the Heights. Up in the Heights. Where you know, cab drivers do. hate to drive to. When you're like in Midtown. No, like when you're in Midtown or downtown, they just hate when you're, oh, Washington Heights. Yeah. All the way up there. Oh, come on, man. (laughs) I'm like, the Uber already agreed to it. Oh, you dangle the like car transportation carrot in front of them. That is mean. Well, because I never knew that it's like, like Uber, like they don't allegedly they don't know the destination until like you get in or something. Come yo, on. that's mad shady. Yo, that's and mad so shady. it's like oh, they, they, a lot of Ubers are get they are like they, when they see it's like a surprise and when it pops up like you're downtown it's like it pops up all the way uptown they're like pissed. Let's Dang. talk about that surprise factor real quick. First of all, I think I don't think it's right. I really don't think it's right, Frank. <laughs> as a, as a, as an Uber as a representative of the Uber franchise. What was that surprise like? Like, did you like that? Did you hate it? Maybe some liked the game. I don't know. Right. You know, like five to ten minutes later, usually. What? That you yeah, you kind of, yeah, oh. you kind of know. You don't get to know right away. Like, when you go in, like, you have to take that passenger. You're kind of forced to bring them to that place. You can't just right. be like, oh, nah, I don't want to, I don't want to go up. I don't want right. to go to Brooklyn or I don't want to go uptown. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, you could cancel it and tell the customer, you know, that you don't want it, but you can get in trouble. You can always get reported. So, yeah. yeah and they don't want to get stars off. Like a regular cab don't give a shit because they're just like, peace out, you know. But uh, an Uber that stays on your on your personal record. Your Uber yeah, I'm record. missing the cabs, man, because yeah. the cabs at least would, you know, take you up. You could run out the cab if you didn't have money. Like now with the Uber, they know who you are. Like, no, the sucks, cabs man. will throw you out. I remember getting thrown out when I'm like, yo, I'm <laughs> they're, my head. they're yeah. like, no, 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 no. Get out now. This is You're right. <laughs> you crazy. Yeah, I have I have other, you know, I have to make money tonight. I can't just spend the whole night on you. Oh, man, the taxis, <laughs> the back of taxis, the back of vehicles, really. But really, taxis here. Yeah. Uh, what what goes on? Oh. The phone conversations. Mm. Frank, haven't you heard people talking on the phone and getting of into course. some really deep? OK, what was the deepest conversation you ever heard that you like shut the radio, shut the windows? I need to hear everywhere. I mean, I used to hear people fucking coming out there, the side pieces house, going back to their, Ooh. you know, to, to their wives or their husband's house. Like I saw it all. I heard it all. Yeah. Wow. Have you heard their excuses? What kind of excuses did they give? <laughs> Everything, yo, I'll be right, you know, yo, my phone turned off, my phone mm. was off, you know, mm. you know how it is, mm. you know, I learned a lot of stuff too, a lot of good lies, 
I learned a lot of good shit. Yeah. My ex showed up and threw my phone out the window yep, and all yep. that Keep on stuff. going. Keep on going. Yep. Yo, I'm sorry, baby. I'm late. I don't know. Like, you, you keep on going. I'm not shit. the one saying this stuff. I'm just saying what I've heard or what I've heard has been said. Speaking of ride homes, guys, mm-hmm. let me tell you something about Uber versus Lyft. So, you know, I recently went out to Utah. Okay. Shout out to Utah. This was the second time I went out there. And first time was for season one of the Tuttle Twins. Second time, same thing. More celebrations. The wrap of season one and the premiere of season two. So it was a very exciting thing to go back to the same multiplex theater. Um, I want to shout out a couple of things. Okay. Uber versus Lyft. Mm -hmm. I couldn't believe the fair, not like... Like the zones out there in Utah, Salt Lake City was like, and forgive me if I get the two wrong, but like Salt Lake City by the airport, major Uber hub or Lyft. I don't know one or the other, but it was like Uber and Lyft owned certain regions because I saw when I did my price comparison, like I often do in New York, Mm. one was exorbitantly higher and like 70 Mm. minutes away. I'm like, wait a second. 70, whoa. That's an exaggeration, but at least like, 35 versus the other one, which was like two to seven minutes. Damn. So I'm like, whoa, que lo que está pasando aquí? It's so weird. They might have this Uber Lyft war out there. I'm yeah, not sure this? what's always going this? on. Okay, I got to shout a couple things out. Jamie Fernandez, I thought of you so much. I went to a comedy club called Dry Bar. Have you heard of Dry Bar? Dry Bar. I want to say it's like season 11 or 12 or something that's now streaming on Peacock. Check it out. It's a live comedy show from a dry bar, meaning no cursing, no profanity, completely stand-up comedians with completely what they call dry comedy. And it was hysterical. I cannot believe how much fun I had at this place. I I wanted to go last time, but I didn't have a chance. What would you say, Frank? My Mormon comics or something? Yeah, I mean, it was, there was Jesus talk. There was, but like, no cursing, no sex, no Scientology, maybe? Scientology comedians? No, I mean, I don't know. I didn't really hear a lot of Family friendly. Is there, were there kids? Were there kids in the comedy? No kids, because it was cerebral. It was definitely a relationship. You know, there was a lot of relationship talk, but like funny, dry. So, like, very Seinfeld, right? Because Seinfeld's a PG Mm. comedian, you know, and, and I still think he's funny. So, I, I can see oh. like a PG comedian being fine as long as it the was, jokes are funny. There was one comedian, he was like 50 something years old, white guy beatboxing his comedy. It was amazing. <laughs> oh, he was so good. He was like ranting about how he's got 25 years in the beatboxing game. Yo, he's nasty. <laughs> and everybody was like this. Yo, now I want to shout out Dry Bar also because I went there to see the production because you know something is streaming on Peacock. And I'm like, wow, I want to see what that looks like behind the scenes. It was so intimate. But so many amazing position cameras, you know, the whole if the seat was empty, they had to take the seat out for TV production value. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, the stage was small, but amazing, kind of like the triad theater. Oh. It, it was small, but impactful. Did what it had to do. Double curtains, open, close sesame. Comic comes out, lit up. Comic looks great on stage. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Audience laughter. It was just like. 
and it was a great experience. Now, the other thing I want to say about this, I'm so excited to say is it's a small world after all, people. Go Ooh. ahead and sing this song in your head. It's, it's a, small a small world, world after, after all. all. Oh, my God, it's a small world. <laughs> so I'm online. I already bought my ticket and I see <laughs> Angel Studios and the Tuttle Twins on the window of the comedy club. Ooh. I'm like, what in the tarnation? I'm like, so <laughs> I. it turns out that the video production company behind the Tuttle Twins is behind the dry bar. Ooh. And so they have a piece of that. No wonder. Okay. Like, no wonder. The they all over that, the Utah yes. like, entertainment uh, community, right? Yes. There. The clean wow. entertainment. Because, you know, Tuttle Twins is also very kid-friendly. It's for kids. But it's, I think, also for adults. It has so much comedy for adults in there baked in. So anyway, shout out to the Harmon Brothers behind Angel Studios and the Tuttle Twins. Um, it's just really impressive. Uh, so Utah was amazing. I had a really nice time. It's nice to be welcomed back. Back. Um, you know, the cast and crew was all together in a mansion. Uh, this mansion was crazy. In a mansion. Wow. Yes. Rachel, Raquel, yeah. talk to me. Shout out to the Tuttle Twins. Really happy to have gone out to Utah. Now, Frank, I want to tell you something math funny, yo. Mm. Okay, like, I guess people Uber, Lyft, or probably drive their vehicles in Utah. You know, this girl from New York City thinks that she could walk everywhere. Right. So I get on the phone with Frank and we're talking for, you know, we have one of these deep conversations. Frank, I look at how many <laughs> steps I took during our conversation. How many? You know how much I walked? How much? I walked 3.8 miles Damn. while on the phone with you. Doesn't sound Oño, like a lot. Mucho. <laughs> mucho. Nosotros mucho. But I passed, your steps in. Yes, I passed Brigham Young University, BYU. which is a Mormon college, a very well-known college university, mm -hmm. where our guest attended. Oh, so, snap. If I may segue into our guest, you guys. After hang after hanging in the mansion, which is when this interview was booked, I tell you no <laughs> lie. We're sitting there with the producer. Shout out to Jordan Curley. Shout out to everybody, cast and crew, Faith, Kelly. There's just so many to name. Um, the writer. Uh, you know, there's just so many names to name. Um, but we were there at the mansion, and I was learning more about Daniel Harmon. And the fact that he's done church missions to Mexico, um, he speaks fluent Spanish. Um, mm. You know, he made this very well-known book series into more of a multicultural series animated where the mom is Latina. That was wow. his idea. Nice. He's the showrunner for the Tuttle Twins, you guys. Mm. I talk about the show all the time. I'm always going to talk about the stuff that I learned from on this podcast. And, and he has multiple jacuzzis. Don't forget that's just to mention that. Probably. <laughs> I'm so proud of this show. I'm showing you guys just a, a comic book that was given out at the season nice. one. Nice. Um, and, you know, I at the premiere, I just got to shout out the kids. The kids came dressed as the characters. Damn. And... One of the okay. moms kind of came dressed like me, which was cool. She was wow. like, I couldn't find a green shirt, but I wanted to come dressed like you, Mrs. Tuttle. And I'm like, oh, my <laughs> God. And I'm signing autographs, which felt I'm, really good. I'm down with Tuttleton's cosplay. 
No, Yo, that's, that's what it was. Oh. Yes, people came as Ethan Tuttle, one of the twins. It was Yo. really amazing to see like people, Corinne, who plays like the evil little girl. It was so great. It was so wow. great to see these avid fans of a show I'm super proud of. So as I was talking to Daniel and learning about how entrenched he is uh, in our culture and how much of an ally he is to our culture, I'm like, I would love for you to talk to the, to the Eloeleros about this. Because, you know, I've been talking about the Tuttle Twins for a while, but to hear from the showrunner's perspective, I think is always interesting. And I asked him why, why he made it a multicultural family versus leaving what it was, which I think was a European family. I want to say German, but I could be wrong. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So can we get into this interview, you guys? Yeah, yeah, let's hear it. Definitely. This is the part of the show here on Latinos Out Loud where we interview someone amazing. I say it every week and I'll say it every week going forward. I always mean what I say, people. I'm so excited to have this guest on our show because I think you guys know about him even without me introducing him because I've spoken about this project that I've been a part of and so proud to be a part of. Ladies and gentlemen, Eloeleros, he is the creator, showrunner, executive producer, director, writer, president of the Tuttle Twins TV. Please put your hands together for Daniel Harmon. Yes! Can I put my hands together too? Is that okay? Clap for yourself, Daniel, please. You deserve all of it. Hello and welcome to the Latinos Out Loud podcast. How are you today? I'm well. Thank you for having me on, Rachel. I'm excited. I'm so excited. Uh, So long time no see, not really. Just saw you. (laughs) It's so nice to see you virtually. I had the pleasure of seeing you in Utah just last weekend. We were out there for the season two premiere and also season one celebratory dinner um, for the Tuttle Twins, which is an amazing project that I'm so proud and honored to be a part of. Uh, Sometimes I fluctuate between Rachel and Miss is Tuttle voice on this podcast (laughs) and it's just such a pleasure to have you on the show because now we can really talk you know usually when I see you it's over zoom we're working you know I'm recording uh, voiceover work for the project and it's also a lovely time but now this is time to play let's play (laughs) on the microphone so Thank you so much for being here. I introduced you and I I read a bunch of titles that I see here um, on your bio, but I would love for you to tell the Eloeleros, which are our hive, our listeners, a little bit more about those titles. What do those titles mean? What do you do for the Tuttle Twins TV show? Awesome. Yeah. So creator, I guess, is the first title is the one essentially having the idea for the show, yes. <laughs> I guess, is the, it was one of the best way, ways to put it. And I'm not going to say that I've had all the ideas for the show, because obviously the writers, the um, the rest of the writers have brought a tremendous amount of ideas. Like, for example, the idea for uh, Grandma Gabby, um, one of the main characters in the show, came from Johnny Vance, one of our writers. But um, yeah, so that's that's the I, I was the one spearheading and meeting with the author of the book series, uh, Connor Boyack, 
along with my executive producer, Benton Crane, and kind of spelling out the vision of what this could be, that we could make a really great show that kids would hopefully choose to watch as entertainment and that they would be getting great lessons along the way about principles of freedom and economics, things like the rights to life, liberty and property, and the golden rule, entrepreneurship, uh, free trade, all those kinds of things um, that we're so passionate about. And um, I guess some of the other titles are showrunner, which means I'm overseeing the directors. I don't direct every episode. I do direct some of them, but I essentially direct the directors. <laughs> so okay. I, I, I'm very much, I try to let them do as much as they possibly can because I want them to bring their own personality and their own flavor to the individual episodes. And then I kind of shape it a little bit from there. I oversee all the creative and then um, executive producer just means I was kind of putting putting the pieces together at the beginning to make the show come together. And then um, I forget what some of the other titles are, but I'm, I'm a voice in a couple of things. Yes! <laughs> uh, yeah, right. And writer, you do some yes, writing Yes, and I'm it. in the writer's room all the time. And my, my writing role is much more ideas and guidance and, um, and the principles. And the other writers are much more doing the, the the dialogue and the situational kind of stuff. And I'm much more throwing out, oh, what if we did this? What about this concept? That kind of thing. And they kind of run with that. Um, and they bring a whole bunch of that themselves. So anyway, that's that's my role on the show. And it's been a really fun ride. And, you know, Rachel, you you coming on board to the show has made it only funner. So this has been awesome. Oh, Daniel, thank you for saying that. Well, listen, I have to shout out the writers. Every time I read these scripts, my God, the jokes make me laugh so much. There's <laughs> such good writing there because, yes, we can concentrate on the principles and you do a really great job at, like, elevating the subject matter throughout the episode. But the jokes, the characters, Grandma Gabby. Abby, I mean, it's it, it cracks me up. And everyone who watches the show, my personal friends, my circle, they give me the same feedback. So well done. So oh, well good. written. The aesthetics, the colors, the situations, the Spanish, the Spanglish, the accents. There's just so much going on, but it's so organized and it works so well. There's a lesson learned or taught and learned within each episode. Okay. You said something that really interests me. This is based off of a very successful book series, also yeah. called The Tuttle Twins. Yeah. I want to talk about that moment where you had that idea of taking that success and making it visual for watchers, viewers all over the world, and more importantly, for making this family multicultural. Mom mm. is Latina. Yeah. There, it, it, Spanish is injected. Could you walk us through that process? How did yeah. that idea come about? And then walk us through how you made it happen. Yeah, you bet. So the author, Connor Boyack, he and I have been friends for a long time. When he wrote the first book called The Law, um, I was introduced to it um, at a conference with him. He gave me a copy and my wife and I have bought every copy since. We really loved it. I was like, oh man, this is what I wanted to learn about things like principles of freedom and economics and history um, as a kid. And then when I read it with my kids and saw the way it resonated with them and like we've bought all, all, all the book series. So the credit for turning it into a TV show actually doesn't go as much to me. He had that idea once he was starting to sell the tens of thousands of copies of the books and was starting to see real success with it, 
And then um, my other executive producer, Benton Crane, actually came to me and was like, I think we should be the ones to make this yes. into, into a t TV show. And I was like, oh, man, really? Is that <laughs> is that something I want to do? Because I was in advertising, right? Um, I was a chief creative officer of an ad agency called Harmon Brothers. It's known for ads like big viral ads like Squatty Potty and Poopery and Purple Mattress and Chatbooks and all these others, Lumi deodorant. Oh my God, Squatty Potty! Uh, uh, I yes. Love it. <laughs> so I had I had experience in content creation, live action, and in character development and story and comedy and all those types of things through advertising. And I'd known for a, a while that I was wanting to make a jump to what I thought would be film or feature films. Um, and then so I was like, oh, do I want to do a TV show and a cartoon? And it's interesting because in my background as well, in school, I was studying animation before I went into advertising. No way. Yeah, I did. Wow, universe. I, wow. Yeah. I, so I actually applied to get into the program, the advertising program at BYU. BYU is one of the primary, like, uh, I think they're one of the top tier um, animation schools out there. Wow. Um, they're also one of the top top tier advertising schools. And I didn't end up getting into the advertising program. It's a good thing, too, because I didn't draw enough. And that's what their program all was at the time. I wasn't <laughs> as much of a drawer, but um, or illustrator, I guess is the better term. Uh -huh, uh -huh. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, we understand. <laughs> uh, no, they would have disqualified me just for, for saying drawer. <laughs> no. I'm sorry, um, Mr. Harmon. <laughs> Next. He called us That's drawers. Right. That's um, right. <laughs> so I ended up in advertising, and now this is coming full circle where I'm back to it. So the idea for turning the book series into an animated show was coming from Connor Boyack and Elijah Stanfield, the, the original authors themselves. When we approached them, Benton and I approached, uh, my other executive producer, Benton and I approached um, Connor, it's that we were spelling out the vision for what it could be. Meaning we were saying, okay, we think this can be like a little bit like Marvel, um, where the Tuttle Twins is kind of a bigger brand than just the books, right? Yeah. Where Marvel has their comic books, they have their Marvel Cinematic Universe, they have their TV shows, they have their games, they have their toys. And all of them have kind of their different flavors, but they all are, you can kind of tell that they're all yeah. part, of, part of the main whole, right? And that's what we felt like could happen with Tuttle Twins, where okay, this, it's really great that your books break down the principles in a way that are super understandable for not only kids, but adults, but, um, and are getting that conversation going within the families. But what if we add some sci-fi to it and some fun and adventure and more comedy and more character development, make it something kids want to watch over their choices on, uh, say, Netflix, Disney Plus, YouTube, or whatever, where they'll actually choose to watch it as entertainment and then they'll be getting the education along with it. And then to get to your other question about the the Latino influence that's part of the show. Yes. So, <laughs> here we go. So my background, <laughs> I, I, I grew up, I think some of this starts in Idaho. I grew up on a um, in a farming community in Idaho. And a lot of the a lot of the employees on the farms were uh, migrant workers from Mexico. So there were um, I, I grew up around. Um, a lot of Mexican influence and I would work on some of those farms and they would like bring me over to um, eat, eat lunch with them and, and, and like try out their their tacos and their spicy chilies and yes. stuff like that and see how much I could take. And my dad spoke Spanish and um, was always uh, friends with the different uh, migrant workers and um, was very much just he, he always felt very at home um, in in the Mexican community there in Idaho 
And so he taught me to eat that way. And so like the spicy stuff didn't bother me. And they were all like blown away that I was like eating the peppers with them and stuff. And, and they were always so, so kind. <laughs> That's right. Oh, like, this is amazing. <laughs> At that time, I didn't know how to speak Spanish. But later I served a mission for my church um, in Peru. And I was there for two years. And that's when I became much more integrated with um, uh, the Latino community and really got to know the, the culture of just giving and sharing and family and a lot of things that really overlapped with my own family culture, right? Um, and although I feel like they were much more giving than I was. What, what, what blew me away is I grew up very, very poor. And then I went down to Peru and everyone was poor and it didn't matter at all. They all just shared, yes. you know, they were all, all so giving. And that just like blew my mind of like, oh, it it's not just means and money that means you should like, it's just part of you. Like it's a little bit of, I mean, to be honest, it's a little bit of faith that it takes of like, mm. this is going to come back to me in some way, or, or maybe it's just out of love. Maybe you don't even care if it comes back to you. You just want to bless those around you. Such a cool culture, cool culture. I loved the food, loved the people. And then, um, so when we approached the show, um, I actually have a brother as well, who is an executive producer on, on the show, Jeffrey. He actually did a foreign exchange program down in, um, in Brazil and met a girl while he was there and they dated and she ended up coming back that's to the United States. Oh my yeah, gosh. that's how they met. So romantic. And so there's all these sort of, um, cultural influences from um, the Latino community that have been part of my life all the way along. And um, even just this year, my wife and I went down with our entire family. We took our, we took all of our six kids and went down to um, uh, Mexico outside of Ensenada to an orphanage there and stayed and helped build um, a fence and um, a, a new building that they were making for their their littlest ones, like the two two year olds and and lower, and just spent time with the kids and got to know them. And I'm the only one that speaks Spanish in my family, um, uh, so they were all kind of lost, but it didn't matter. Like we were just there helping out, and they were so warm and welcoming. And it was a, an entire week there of just living there in the orphanage, and my kids' eyes being opened up to not just different culture, but like, wow, like we have a lot <laughs> where, where we're at compared to this, you know, and it was yes. such a rewarding experience. And so when it came to the story, again, this, this show teaches about principles of freedom. And so, so much of what we see as an antithesis to freedom is what comes out of communism, right? And so what felt like was a natural thing to do with the story was to have a figure in the Tuttle twins' life that had experienced that firsthand. And so Grandma Gabby or Gabriela, we had her be um, a grandma that that migrated from, from Cuba, that she lived in, in Cuba as a child, that she saw firsthand the horrors of, of communism and right. lack of choices and the things that happened from that. And so when we went through the process, it was like, okay, we got to have this be really authentic as we go through it. But we wanted to make sure the casting also reflected that. So um, our voice for for Grandma Gabby, um, she is um, well, it's a, it's a he. he he he's a he's a first generation um, immigrant from Cuba himself. Um, oh, and just I really, love that! I didn't know he was just, Cuban. Awesome. Yes, he is. Um, and so um, and then when we went to cast Mom, who is is half Latina. We get into that story a little bit later, but the the idea is that oh. Grandma came from Cuba. She married 
um, an American. And then, um, and then we wanted to make that ref- reflected in uh, Mrs. Tuttle. And then we found you, Rachel, which was um, perfect, right? And, and I forget. Thank you. Uh, r- remind me which country you're from. I'm, I'm sorry, I, I forgot. My mother is originally from the, your mother is from the Dominican Republic. Yeah, Dominican Republic. That's right. Uh huh. And so we wanted that. We wanted that to come through. And so each time we have characters from, um, from different. Uh, you know, the, that are representative of the Latino community. We're doing our best to match that up with, um, you know, authentic voices from there. And so I've got, um, you know, I've got an editor, um, Josh, and his his father's originally from um, Honduras. Um, and um, our producer, Jordan, her, her mother's from Puerto Rico. And so anyway, this it just continues to be something that we feel like is, is really important because I don't know. I just really, I love our Mexican neighbors and I love, um, I think we've, we've had policies and things that have made that confusing to a lot of people. Um, and I, I just don't want to add to that more in, in, in the culture of what we're creating with the art. I want it to be, um, much more welcoming because that's the side of it I've seen and I've experienced in my life is is the good of the Latino community and and just the amazing culture of family and and of sharing and of hard work and all these things that just resonate so much with me. I mean, thank you so much for applying such what's the word I'm looking for? Just just uh, focusing in on details and really making this authentic on the back end, going into casting, going into writing. Thank you so much for what you've done for our communities in Idaho and what you're doing. Well, the first thing I thought of is I know you were doing this mission for your church, but what a mission heading down there with six kids. Wow. That's a mission in and of itself. So congratulations on both missions. Was, we could only take it because it was just one week. <laughs> so that, I wanted to add that, but yeah. So going into it with such, you know, a, a magnifying glass, a micro, a Latino microscope, to make it feel authentic with the output is tremendous. And I want to shout out some of the other cast members too, like Deidre Nell, who's an Afro-Latina Boricua from Texas, who plays Ivy. You know, it really is diverse. And thank you for inviting us live to meet one another last year in Utah, because then you step back and you look across the room and it is Roy G. Biv. It is (laughs) a representation. It is a, it's diverse people from walks of lives, different walks of lives. I got to speak with some of the writers. I got to speak with your brother and his lovely wife who is pregnant again. God bless them. Like, it's so exciting. I feel like you've invited me to be a part of the Tuttle Twins family, both on screen and in real life. And it's remarkable to be that close to a project. I don't just show up and leave, you know, like I was really looking forward to Utah, to seeing all of you again and learning more about you. And now having you on the podcast is just another it's sort of the cherry on the Sunday. Um, so I also want to get into like the writer's room a little bit mm, here. Yeah. We yeah. 
We interview a bunch of writers. You know, we've had Peter Murrieta, who was the head writer on the Gabriel Iglesias, uh, Mr. Iglesias show. We've mm-hmm. had female Latina writers from Chucky on Sci-Fi. Um, we've had Maria Hinojosa. We've had, I, I have some of the books here behind me or in front of me of some of the amazing writers that we've had on the show. There's always common denominators across these either, you know, Latino writers or, you know, uh, writers like yourself that are writing for the Latino community is passion. Passion. There's always passion. And oh, let me also say number two, storytelling. Passion plus storytelling. And, you know, that is organic to the Latino experience. I often tell people on this podcast, you know, like we invite you into our living room or to in front of the bodega where each of us has this fictitious milk crate that we're sitting on and we're just exchanging (laughs) stories. And then those stories become that relatability factor that make us feel good, empowered. She's going through something similar. Oh, I have a mother just like that a Dominican mother just like you know so let's get into the Mm -hmm. writer's room because like I said Eloeleros if you had the privilege of reading these scripts I mean you see it acted out but when you read something and it just hits you off the page and makes you laugh so hard and inspires you makes you proud to be Latina that's magical I guess is the way I can explain it um Walk us through the process. So you will talk about, let's say, the the theme or the topic that you want to bring to the surface, right? Um, The law. You know, we kicked off the pilot, right, with the law. Uh, So walk us through that process. Once the theme is set, once the topic is set, what happens after that? Yeah, um, you mentioned it first and foremost. It all starts with the lesson we have to teach. What, What are kids going to take away from this particular episode? And then the story has to flow out of that. So like I mentioned before, when teaching about the law and um, having a grandma that um, has, you know, this crazy time traveling wheelchair um, that goes and takes her grandkids on these adventures in order to teach them about the principles of freedom. We felt like the story was very motivated in it being someone that had experienced firsthand what it was like to have oppression, to have um her choices really restricted and watch what that does to cultures and economies and and countries as a whole when it's applied at large and so obviously coming from um uh, the communist background in, in cuba felt very very relatable and then we go through this process where we kick the writers off with the lesson they're going to teach and then they all kind of come back with different angles to tell the story from so they'll we'll we'll have a day where we kind of outline the the episode. Okay. So what are what are the beats we're gonna hit? It ends up being usually somewhere between at that point nine and up to sixteen pages long, but usually we're landing more around the dozen page mark. And just so you know, for a twenty-two minute episode, which is what we're shooting for, you usually want to be around twenty-two pages long. It's usually about a minute per page is kind of the the cadence in the, in the, in the film world. And so at that stage, we're just kind of outlining the, the, the major story beats, where are they going to visit? Who are they going to visit? Um, and then what's the lesson they're going to learn from their own life. So for the, with the first episode, they're learning about, um, the law and your rights to life, liberty, and property. And so they're watching a situation where their cul-de-sac kids club has, um, has a lemon well they have a lemonade stand 
where they're selling it. And then in comes the president of the cul-de-sac kids club. And she says, I can take this away from you. This is this lemonade. I get it for free because I'm the president. And then she shows how it's written into law. And they're like, what? How did that get in there? And she's like, you know, I held an emergency meeting last night and we show her, <laughs> her, show, show her getting it voted in by a single person, you know? It's so great. Corinne's character, uh, you guys. Okay. So let me just, can I talk a little bit about Corinne? I hate to interrupt yeah, you, but bet. like, she's, she's the meanie, you know, the, I'm the mean girl of the cul-de-sac kids club. But then we grow to like her, you know, towards yep. like the middle of the season. And then I don't want to give it away for everybody because there's so many stories woven in. Um, she becomes a love interest. <laughs> it's so great. Please continue. I will put myself on mute. Sorry. No. So speaking to that, one of our one of our writers, Kelly, she brought that idea of the love interest, but it's specifically kind of one sided where she she's kind of the antagonist to the the Tuttle twins and then at the same time she has a crush on Ethan it's a little bit it's, kind of one way crush oh god but it's so real trust me yes. as a grown woman yes. okay me and my girlfriends we talk about this all the time it's like how do we have a crush on him I don't know <laughs> exactly exactly I don't want to I don't want to feel this way but I do it's weird so um I love it. Uh, that was that was an element that um that when Part of the process, once we've developed that outline, is I take it back and I read it with my girls here oh, at home with my little ones. I They're part of my that. test audience. And we, we send it out and have our fans read it and get feedback from them. And they might be offended by this and or that. Or they might be like, this isn't coming through clearly. Or like, why are they doing this? And, and we gather that feedback and we come back together and write the first draft. But when I saw my girls, the way they reacted to that that crush from Corinne towards Ethan, the, uh, Ethan Tuttle, it, when I saw how much they're into that. I was like, okay, we've got to incorporate this in the so story. Great. It's so yeah. great. And then, wait, can I just add mom? So mm -hmm. that Mrs. Tuttle is also like somewhat supportive of it, right? Like, yeah. she's, I, I love her reactions to everything because I think at first she was like confused, like, wait a minute, but she figures it out. And then it's yeah. like one of those things, I, this is adorable, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love it so much. Thank you for that. The life, the life lessons that oh, Mrs. Okay. Tuttle is teaching the Tuttle twins, I'm starting yeah. to encounter in my own role as a mom. So it's helping me very awesome. much. Thanks for the guidebook. Okay. Please, <laughs> uh, I, inter really I interrupted and I won't anymore. So, so please continue. Um, no, it's totally fine. So, um, yeah, so essentially we, we gather that feedback, we come back and we write a first draft. And, and usually what we've done at that point is we've taken the best ideas from each of the writers and sort of Frankenstein them in to Ooh. a better whole. And sometimes some things have to be left by the wayside, right? It's a, as writers, it's always about, you know, killing your darlings. Um, <laughs> so at any rate, um, we get that first draft. We do what's called a brain trust read, where we read it to a collection of, of other writers, directors, editors, producers, um, parents, and mm. we just get the feedback and find out which jokes are working, which ones aren't, what's confusing, what's not, what's what's resonating, come through clear, clearly, what is, where is it getting a little bit dry and boring, and where do we need to pick up the pace? And then we go back and rewrite. And then we do that again. We reread it, and then we go back and rewrite it. We do mm. that three or four times over before we get a, um, a locked script. And that's with all the, you know, the revisions that we've done in the writer's room on top of that. And then when we get to what's called an animatic, 
So where it's a collection of storyboards and temporary voices and sounds and things like that that you're editing together to kind of see how the flow of the story is. You can see it now visually, but it's more of like, you know, movement from up here to grab a picture to one movement down here to, you know, put it down. That it's kind of so thing. It's cool. Not, I've seen these. Yeah. They're so cool. Like pencil drawings yeah. and it really brings the pages to life. It's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's like a, a storybook that comes to life, but it's not yet in full video form. So that is the guide that the, the animation house uses. Then we go through that same process with that, where we develop that, that, um, that entire animatic. We put it out there in front of another group of really great storytellers and creatives and we get feedback and we do it again and again and again before we go back to the animation house and say, this is the final, this is what you're following for animation. And by the way, our animation house is out of Columbia. I was going to say that. Another yep. element of you right. being immersed in our culture. Shout out That's to right. uh, Camila. Out to Camila. Uh-huh. Love Camila. Camila Gomez. Yep. Yeah, she's doing a great job of leading up that team down there. And um, they've just been a really great partner and they're so excited about the show. They feel very similar to you of like, oh, we're so proud of the work. We're so proud of the stories and the characters. And it just feels so, so great to us. And we're working right now to get, I've been doing approvals just even this week on voices for dubbing in Spanish for Ooh. the for, for the show. Because we've got subtitles and that's all in the works and I think almost complete, but the, um, but the, yeah, we're going to get to the the dubbing as well, which oh, that, that that I'm really excited for that to happen because that is um, our largest um, our our largest I guess secondary audience outside of the United States is um, people that are requesting. Hey, can we please get this in Spanish? This is so great. I see. Um, los niños de la República Dominicana y los otros sí. países tienen que ver este programa porque es maravilloso. Sí. Sí. Oh, sí. Así es. Uh -huh. um, so. I'm sorry, I'm going to feel stupid because I just don't speak Spanish that often. <laughs> I That's should be speaking in Spanish I, more. I know that you understand. Uh, it's hard. Like, look, my Spanish, uh, I also am the daughter of a Spanish teacher. He mm -hmm. is now retired. Oh, yeah. And mm -hmm. I try my best because my dad still corrects me. You know, when I'm <laughs> home, um, he makes sure that my grammar is on point, my verb usage, <laughs> conjugation, all that. But I speak a lot of street Spanish just okay. because of who I'm around, you know? Like... Sometimes I wish I sp spoke more street Spanish. It's so funny because <laughs> in, in Peru, where I learned to speak, um, they call it Castellano, right? Uh -huh. and, and it's a very, like, it is a very correct form of Spanish as they, they very much pride themselves on it, that it's it's a very clean Spanish is, is the way, way to put it as compared to when I was in Mexico. And I'm like, cuando ustedes hablan... Ustedes cantan. <laughs> like <laughs> like yeah. that in, in, in Peru. See, <laughs> sí, that's yep. exactly it. Dominicans uh -huh. too. We sing when yes, we talk. Exactly. It's like, Dímelo loco. You know, uh -huh. I don't know. It's just very it's, 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 Yeah, it's musical. a different cadence, cadence of the musical, but it is. It's also musical in Peru. <laughs> It's it's so like straightforward of like, como esta usted? And, and there's no like singing to it. You know, it's just... It's it's very I, I learned it and they and they speak much more slowly and it, uh, in, in Mexico I was just constantly telling the kids I'm like más despacio por favor no entiendo por nada despacito necesito la palabra más despacito are you like do you listen to Latin music as well I mean you I might. do on occasion yeah admittedly I don't listen to a ton of music because so much of my thinking is strategic mm. and and writing based. 
And when I'm listening to music, I get sucked so much into music that I can't have it going to the background unless it's a little bit more like I listen to a lot of classical and stuff that just can kind of be there. But if it's got lyrics or if it's like connected to um, a certain movie, my mind just like I have too much ADHD, I think, or just my mind goes to that. And I have to have a lot more silence with me when I'm having to work. And so I don't listen to um, a ton of mm. music, but I really enjoy it. Daniel, I, I really wish we had more time. I guess, could you come back? Like, I could totally come back. When yeah, maybe for season three, we could have yeah, you back be, to talk a little yeah, bit more about the evolution yeah. of the Tuttle Twins. Listen, please tell Me everyone. Encantaria. Oh my God, <laughs> que honor. Please tell everyone where they could catch the Tuttle Twins and where they can follow you and your work. You bet. TuttleTwins.tv, T-U-T-T-L-E, Twins.tv is where you can go find the show. It's also, if you download the Angel app, our distributor is Angel Studios. They're known for the hit show The Chosen about the life of Christ. Um, If you download the Angel app, you can watch the entire show for free. It's also available for free on YouTube. Um, So that's, that's there. And then as far as looking me up goes, gosh... I'm I am most active at this point probably on LinkedIn. So you can <laughs> search Daniel Harmon uh and Tuttle Twins on on uh on LinkedIn. That's probably where you Hey, you may get some Eloeleros looking for a job, okay? So <laughs> hey guys, tell them Latinos out loud sent you. Oh, and I need to shout out Angel Studios real quick. During my stay in Provo in Utah, I went to Dry Bar and I saw a comedy show. It was so much fun because, you know, I'm a comedian here in New York. I perform sketch comedy. I have a bunch of stand-up comedy friends. And my brother was like, oh, you're going to be in Provo. You got to go see Dry Bar. They have a show streaming on Peacock. And I was like, word? So Mm -hmm. I bought my ticket, went to the show, witnessed an amazing TV production because I nerd out about that, um, you know, as I'm growing with my own comedy and trying to figure out the conduits for it. And then I see these comedians on stage, no cursing guys, no, none of that raunchy stuff, just what they call dry, I guess, the dry bar, dry yeah, comedy, yeah. but hilarious, hilarious yes. to the point my cheeks hurt so much from laughing. Amazing comedians that I'm now following on Instagram. So into it. So I want to shout out Angel Studios for being behind dry bar comedy as well. Holy moly. They're on season 11 right now. I think it's crazy. That is crazy. Congratulations, mm-hmm. your family. You guys are geniuses. Thank you so much for what you do for the community. And one time for Daniel Harmon and the Title Twins. <laughs> Woo! Thank you so much, Thank Daniel. You, Appreciate it. Okay, Rachel, this is interesting. This guy is an interesting fellow. Yes, a very interesting fellow, right? Shout out to mm-hmm. Daniel Harmon who was really fun to talk to, really fun to get to know and his process. And, you know, shout out to the production. It's very interesting. The Tuttle Twins. Yeah. My favorite group of twins after uh, Mary-Kate and Ashley. (laughs) (laughs) How did I know you were going to say Mary-Kate and Ashley? And also the Yin Yang Twins. Oh, Uh, good one. (laughs) Good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. Oh, no, it's Lil John. Like, weren't they like Lil Johnish in their music? They were. They had the shush song, they had their whisper song. Where they oh, were just that's like, them. Yeah. Great song. Yeah. Really great song. I was singing that in the clubs for sure. Yeah. I don't think um, the same intended audience as the Total Twins, though. Definitely. Yeah. Two oh, different no. audiences. 
was, <laughs> completely oh. different audiences. <laughs> yes. I think in Utah they would uh, they would get banned for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but wow. Okay, so yep. Shout out to the Tuttle Twins. Amazing. Check it out. Tuttle Twins TV on YouTube. Also on the Vid Angel app. And uh, hopefully there'll be more. I mean, we're already talking season three. I'm wow. really excited. Yeah. About to go into syndication or something. Syndication? syndication. Yo, but like he, I love, like Daniel was like, told me a little bit about what's going to happen to Mrs. Tuttle in season three. And it's so smart. It's so fun. God, I can't wait, son. I can't wait either. All right, guys. Make sure to follow us at We Are Latinos Out Loud across the socials and Latinos Out Loud underscore on Twitter. Okay. Do we mm-hmm. even want to promote Twitter? Are we still with Twitter? It's a new Twitter. Ooh, you gotta pay twenty yeah. bucks now if you got that little blue thing. I heard. You know. Well, you want the blue thing, but I didn't. I didn't have it anyway, so I don't have to pay. Okay. Wow. You good. So the people wow. that want to keep it. <laughs> <laughs> but the people that were like didn't have it, it's like, all right, I'm still not gonna pay. I'm not. Wow. I'm paying for too many. Uh, I got too many services I pay for. I'm not trying to pay for freaking Twitter. Man, wow, freaking seriously. Elon, man, he's want to cake it now. It's a new day. It's a new Twitter day. Okay. Well, so follow us there. If not, you know, leave us a review. Give us a call. 978-LATINOS. No big whoop. All right. Thank you so much for checking out another episode of LOL. And on that note, we are out. Bra!